When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It was the night before the playoffs and all through the house, people were remaining socially distanced and wearing masks. Peter from Wainwright getting going with a text right off the hop. He says, Reed, I'm pumped for the playoffs to start tomorrow. Have some people coming over all weekend, putting the 50-inch TV outside, and I have a big two-foot-deep pool for people to lounge and cool down in. Moving the TV outside, keeping people spaced apart, being safe, but enjoying the playoffs and enjoying the Edmonton Oilers back in the playoffs for the second time in four years. Of course, just the second time since they went all the way to game seven of the Stanley cup final in 2006. And that's the uh, jumping off point for my poll question today on my Twitter account, which will be open until eight o'clock. My goodness, 300 people have already voted. Which of these Oilers do you think has the best chance to be this year's Pisani? Now, it's funny, I I have a very good friend who is not a hockey fan, and she texted me and said, I voted in your poll even though I have no idea what it means. I think most of you know what it means to be a Pisani in the playoffs, a a pretty good player who absolutely absolutely goes off in the postseason and seems to score every time he touches the puck. So which of these Oilers do you think has the best chance to be this year's Pisani? My Twitter account, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. The choice is Archibald, Athanasiu, Ennis, and Cassian. Now, I chose not to put some other guys on uh, the bottom six on that list, like older players like Neil and uh, Chase on, who's already been to a Stanley Cup final in his career. Same with Neil being to a couple. So I decided to go with those four, and I, I got to admit, I'm a little surprised. Tyler Ennis is right now the runaway leader, but you can chime in for fun on uh, that Twitter account, or you can just text me. Tell you what, I, I know people are excited We have an actual meaningful hockey game to talk about tomorrow. We did have a a game on Tuesday, but hey, you know, just the word exhibition uh, places a different importance on the game, even though I, I thought it had more intensity than what you would usually get from an exhibition game. Tell you what, you want to, we usually do predictions before big football games. Super Bowl, Grey Cup. Uh, Text me a prediction if you want for the Oilers series uh, or if you want to text me a cup final prediction or or just anything else. Or, or of course, uh, which Oilers do you think uh, lower down on the depth chart? And uh, so I'm not I'm not talking about McDavid. I'm not talking about Nugent Hopkins. Uh, I'm not talking about Dreisaitl. And I'm not talking about Yamamoto, who could be this year's Pisani, because I now consider uh, Kyler Yamamoto a a primary scorer for the team. Maybe not on the level of the other three guys, but if you can get almost a point a game in uh, in about a third of the season in the National Hockey League and play the way he did, I, I don't think it would be out of the blue for him to go on a spree during the postseason. Oh, here's a good text coming in tonight. This texture says, better team, 2006 or 2020? That is a good one. I mean, Pronger obviously... Uh, completely separates the 2006 team, but McDavid and Dreisaitl clearly separate this year's team. 
that'd be an interesting head-to-head matchup. Uh, Rollison joined the team late and I think showed signs of uh, of being a pretty good goaltender in the regular season, but then obviously went to another level in the postseason. So uh, that, that that is a really good one. Vic says, I think Ennis's style of game resembles how I remember Pisani. Maybe that is why he, he could be that type of player. And uh, Al says, I know he's one of the big four, but I think Nuge is just going to go off. Well, I know a lot of you would love to see that. Nugent Hopkins is coming up in about seven or eight minutes here on Inside Sports. One player I'm curious to see how he performs, and let's take a quick listen back to some of his 2017 highlights is Zach Cassian. A huge hit by Zach Cassian on Brendan Dillon, and the crowd explodes. Cassian, once again, a major factor in the first period. To Joe Pavelski, who turned it over, and this will be a breakaway shorthanded. Cassian to give Edmonton the lead. He does! Rishot scores! Zach Cassian has made it 1-0 Edmonton. I mean, San Jose's one oh, a huge hit by Cassian. He absolutely belted Logan Couture. Knocked off balance by Brendan Dillon. Clubco with a turnover. High slot. Backhander score. Zach Cassian. He beat Martin Jones with 9.15 to go in the third period. Games two and three in the opening round against San Jose. I thought Cassian had a good playoff overall, but those were really his standout games. Fans were chanting Cassian in Rogers' place. So on the Zoom availability today, I asked Cassian about 2017. Is he drawing on that, remembering that energy going into this year? Yeah, I definitely have a lot of energy. I'm definitely excited to go just as uh, just like our whole team. But uh, I'm not uh, looking back on the, the last playoff run we had. The past is the past. Obviously, this is uh, a new year with new challenges with uh, with a different team. So um, got to kind of pave our way as a team here. And I'm looking to, to be a small piece of the big puzzle here. So like I said, I'm excited to get back. I'm excited to play. Obviously, a lot of... A lot of staggered time, uh, not doing too much. So um, to be back with the guys and ultimately get a chance to, to compete for the Stanley Cup, it's uh, it's exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. All right. So, you know, Cassian not wanting to talk too much about 2017, but I, I think if he shows that kind of form, he's clearly going to have an impact. I, I want you to listen really closely to this clip here from, from Dave Tippett because I, I've found Cassian a very interesting player to watch since he joined the Oilers, you know the backstory. He was hated here because of the Gagne incident. He had the off-ice issues. Eventually, that got him traded away from Montreal uh, for Ben Scrivens, which is uh, you know a trade definitely the Oilers have won here. And you know he was he was a depth player a lot of the times in 2017. He was on that Latestu Hendricks line, and they and they would go out there and grind. And Cassian could score occasionally. I never really thought he could stick in the top six, but he's he's been pretty good. I think McDavid likes playing with him, and he has that element in the playoffs. We know it's a speed game. Well, he can skate. And, and as much as maybe there's less fighting and, and open ice hitting, I still think hockey's a pretty physical game. And you have to grind and you have to be able to live, deliver a big hit every once in a while. And, and you have to win the battles along the wall. So Dave Tippett today, Brendan Escott, producer of Oilers Now, said, can you comment on Cassian's ability to swing momentum and impact the game even without scoring? Well, Zach is a unique player because he's a big, hard player. He can he can play a mean game, but uh, he's also got great hands. He's, he's a he's a smart player. He can contribute in a lot of different ways, and 
you know, for a player, a, you know, a big physical guy to be able to play on a line like he plays with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid, he's got to have skill and smarts, and he's got he's got some grit to uh, to add to our team. So he uh, he contributes a lot of different ways. Um, you know, you got a heavy, hard guy like that can have an impact on the game and and grinding people down. So he's a, he's a key guy of our team on our team, playing on that top line, and uh, you know he does a real good job up there for us. Yeah, I, I thought that was a pretty interesting summary there by Dave Tippett. So let's let's remember that clip as as we go through the playoffs. If Cassian does what Tippett thinks he can do consistently, that could be a bit of a wild card for the Oilers, and and I think can help them th- than more on just the scoreboard. Steven says, "Hey, Reed, I honestly think the Oilers have a solid chance against every team in the West except St. Louis. The Blues seem to be able to shut down the other team and force everyone to play their game. That could be a tough matchup." Another texter says, "In 2017, I voted for Zach Cassian to be mayor." Well, that's interesting. Write-in vote, I guess. Isaac in Oil Country says, my prediction, Oilers sweep the Blackhawks. Leon and McDavid both get 12 points. Wow, four points a game. Coach Al says, Oilers in three. They will be so excited. They will play fast and hard. They'll only need three games. The Hawks want the first pick to help with their rebuild. Go Oilers, go. That is from Coach Al. Keep those coming. Having fun tonight, 780-496-0063. One of your favorites, the Nuge, is up next. Of course, we have it for you tomorrow. Face-off show starts at 11 a.m. The game is at 1 against the Chicago Blackhawks. This gentleman is going to be playing his 14th Stanley Cup playoff game. Welcome back to the show, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Reed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you on the show. How was practice today, last practice before the qualifying round starts? Yeah, it was good. Um, a little a bit, little bit shorter today and uh, just walked through some things and got the legs going. So um, definitely should be uh, ready and prepared to go for tomorrow. All right. Tell me a little bit about bubble life. I've been asking a lot of people that this week for the Oilers players, you had to drive within your own city to stay in a hotel for hopefully an extended run. How is life in the bubble for you? Yeah, it's a it's a little strange just because we're still in Edmonton, but um, I mean it's it's like being on the road. It's uh, we're used to being in hotels. There's obviously other teams here, which is a little uh, little different than normal. But I mean we're getting used to it and we're settling in. So um, I think once we get going here, uh, starting tomorrow, I mean the games will just come and um, come quick and uh, yeah, and we'll just uh, settle right in. So it's uh, it's been good so far and uh, just looking forward to, to really getting it going now you got out there for an exhibition game against calgary on tuesday night uh, i i thought the team looked pretty good for the most part and you got to have that experience of playing without fans which i know has kind of been a common question through all this as well tell me a little bit about uh, just the vibe for that game and and settling into a building that didn't have the usual atmosphere i guess as a game would yeah, for the most part, um, it wasn't too bad. I mean, uh, we kind of got used to it as the game went on. Uh, the weird part was scoring, and um, when you're on the ice, it, you just don't really hear anything. I mean, you can kind of hear your bench, but um, that's about it. So I, I think on TV they, they have the, um, the fan noise, but uh, on the ice it's a it's a little different. I mean, there's not a whole lot of whole lot of noise, but I mean, uh, I'm sure. Obviously, exhibition's a little different, but now uh, starting tomorrow, uh, the bench will will be a lot louder when uh, when there's something going in. All right, 
you've been playing with McDavid and Cassian. I, I, I know you're ready to rock regardless of what line you're on. Yamamoto and Dreisaitl have been with Ennis, been with Athanasiu, and and those two guys were at it at the deadline. Uh, and you have some, you know, other experienced players like Neil Chasen, Shane, and Archibald. And uh, you know, pretty pretty interesting forward core to me, Ryan. Especially when I think back, maybe to the depth in the pre previous couple of seasons. How would you sum up the the look of your forwards going into the postseason here? Yeah, I mean, I think every line's um, looked really good so far. Um, and we have some guys who we could throw into the lineup uh, and they would fit right in uh, with zero question about that too. So, I mean, our depth right now on uh, front and back end is uh, is looking really good. So it's uh, I feel like that's important come playoff time. And, um, yeah, I think you got to use all four lines and everybody's got to be on the same page and, and uh, working together. So uh, that's what we've seen so far. So obviously we want to keep that up man the goaltending split during the season was pretty amazing 39 appearances for one and and 38 for the other everybody's been saying you're going to need them both here in the playoffs uh pretty interesting situation with those two guys Koskinen and Smith maybe different styles but I, I get the sense you have a lot of faith in both of them not only depth on front and back, uh, we we have it in goal too. So I mean that's uh, that's going to go a long way. It helped us throughout the year for sure. Um, I mean both guys stood on their heads at times when we needed them to, and um, got us some big wins. So uh, they they both looked really good throughout the camp, and um, both played well the other night. Um, so yeah, I mean it's going to be uh, it's going to be big. I think um, whether there's uh, I don't know what the rotation will look like, but I'm sure they'll both get some looks and. Uh, we have uh, nothing but confidence in uh, each of them. Is it a huge adjustment from Smith to Koskinen because Smith handles the puck so much? Sometimes we we talk about that and, and speculate that maybe it's, uh, you know, the player's got to think a little differently when they know Smith's going to wander around and grab the puck a little bit more. Is it uh, is it that much different or how would you characterize that? Um, I think as a forward, it's not doesn't change a whole lot, but uh, maybe for the D man, it's uh, it's a little bit different. Um, I know Koski, he's uh, he still likes to play the puck when he can, and um, I mean obviously Smitty's been known as one of the best puck handling uh, D man or goalies uh, in the league for years now. So uh, we know what he's capable of. So he, he basically stops everything going around the net and can make a play from there so uh yeah it, it changes it a little bit but i mean i wouldn't say it, uh, it would affect too much we're joined by ryan nugent hopkins as we get you ready for the oilers and the blackhawks ryan you guys were in the playoffs in 2017 a few of the moments that i really remember was zach cassian in game two some big hits breakaway goal fans chanting his name and then he scored again in game three in san jose i i you know, I know I know you're looking ahead, but I, but I remember the impact he had on those games, and I wonder if you can touch on his ability to sort of bring that physicality and, and change that momentum. A lot of times, you need a goal to change momentum, but I've always thought Zach can be a player that can can tilt it, you know, without scoring because he can create so much energy and intimidate a little bit. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that last playoff run, he uh, he was so big for us. He was scoring goals. He was making plays. I mean, uh, creating an energy uh, with his physicality. And uh, even the other night on, uh, against Calgary, 
Um, he had a big hit, which kind of got kind of got us going a little bit and got us into the game. And um, and at the same time, he still makes those plays. So it's uh, I think it's even without the fans, it'll probably be even a little bit more important to, to be able to create energy uh, ourselves. And uh, Zach definitely brings that. Okay, and finally, the Chicago Blackhawks. Obviously, the the last decade, incredible franchise, three championships. This year, obviously a lower seed. They have a lot of playoff experience, but they have a lot of players who have, have yet to experience the postseason. Give me a little bit of, uh, of your expectations, a little bit of a scouting report of the Hawks. Um, yeah, well, they definitely have a few guys who have, uh, I mean, they know what it takes to win. Um, they've had that experience, and, uh, and uh, like I said, they, they've done it before. So uh, we know that they're going to be prepared. They're going to have the, the right playoff mindset, so we got to be prepared for that. And, uh, and then they have some uh, quite a bit of young skill up front, so uh, we gotta, we got to be prepared for that. But, I mean, we've uh, done well as a team preparing uh, and watching some video and stuff. And, um, I mean, we know what we need to, to do to, to get the job done. And uh, it's just uh, we just got to go out there and do it and uh, do it on a consistent basis. Ryan, thanks for making time for us. All the best here against Chicago. Hope we can talk again. All right. Thanks a lot, Reed. That is the Nooch on Inside Sports. Good to catch up with him. He's ready to rock and roll against Chicago. And uh, don't forget, Nooch still looking for his first playoff goal, even though he played 13 games in 2017, uh, did not light the lamp. He finished with four assists. 780-496-0063. Cowtown Bob says Archibald is his pick to be this year's Pisani. He also says the Oilers in four. He adds, I don't believe Jujar Kara is the right fit for Neil and Chason. They need someone faster. I think Coach Tippett will tinker with this line a lot because if it gets going, it will put the Oilers over the top and they can have a very deep run in the playoffs. A lot of uh, prediction-themed texts coming in. I'll get to as many as I can, and we'll get a little bit more on the Blackhawks, their color analyst on WGN, Troy Murray, when we get back. Yeah, quite a day tomorrow as hockey returns. Here's the full schedule, all times mountain. 10 a.m. Rangers and Hurricanes, 1 p.m. Edmonton, Chicago. 2 o'clock Panthers and Islanders, 6 o'clock Canadians and Penguins, 8.30 Jets and Flames. So two games in Edmonton and a triple header in Toronto tomorrow. And our coverage will start at 11 a.m. Dallas from the farm texting in. He says, Reed, I hope and think the Oilers will beat the Hawks, but it won't be as easy as many Edmonton media seem to be implying. Hope the Oilers players are giving the Hawks the respect they deserve. Remember 1982, Oilers 111 points, LA 63 points, five-game series, LA wins. LA was the same type of team, experience with some unknowns. Hopefully history doesn't repeat. Give Taves and Kane the respect they deserve. Okay, Dallas, I'm going to respond to that. I have picked the Oilers in four. Uh, The Oilers are the number five seed. The Hawks are the number 12 seed. I don't feel I'm just being disrespectful, nor do I think it's going to be an easy series, but I think it's kind of logical to think a five uh, can beat a 12. I don't think it's a slam dunk, Um, but... Uh, hey, I'm in the business where you got to pick one team or another, and I, I am I am picking the Oilers. I do think they are the better team. That's no disrespect to Taves and Kane and the things they have accomplished. I will say this, Dallas. I don't know if you were around in 1980. Uh, that would actually, yeah, that would have been 1982. There is zero comparison between the 1982 Los Angeles Kings 
and the 2020 Chicago Blackhawks. And I am talking about zero comparison. Like I, that, I, I don't even know how you can write that Dallas. And I know you text in all the time and I'm not trying to pick on you, but I, I don't even like you are so far out of, out of left field. You're in the adjacent slow pitch diamond. Like the, the, the 1982 Los Angeles Kings had won two playoff series in the previous decade, two series. They, they had uh, one year where they had 105 points. Every other year, they, were, they had a 99.1 year. Every other year, they were 85 or lower. The Chicago Blackhawks have won three Stanley Cups in the last decade. The 1982 LA Kings had won two best of three series in the previous decade. That was a monumental upset. That was a young Oiler team that didn't uh, respond to being the favorites. But I tell you, man, Dallas, there are I don't see any comparisons between uh, a 38 year old L.A. a team from L.A. 38 years ago and this year's Blackhawks. Uh, but don't trust me. We can ask a guy who was uh, just starting to play in the league at that time. It's uh, the good old Troy Murray from WGN. Troy, how are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing well. I had to read Dallas's text. I, I, again, I am not disrespecting Chicago by picking the Oilers, and I, I don't get the comparison with the Kings of 82 to this year's Blackhawks. Uh, that Kings team wasn't very good, but they pulled off an upset. But there's the pedigree of the two teams is not comparable. No, I, I don't think so. And I mean, I, I get what uh, Dallas is, is saying there, and I, I think people understand that, that you, you can't. Uh, take the Blackhawks lightly in this uh, in this series. You know, would you pick Chicago over them? Probably not, but uh, certainly <laughs> be well aware of what what can happen. And and everybody's talking about now. I mean, yeah, the Orders have more points and all this kind of stuff than the Hawks did this season. And you know, the Hawks probably would not have been in the postseason. Um, if the regular season had kind of gone on the way it was supposed to. So you, you can say that, well, this is, you know, for Chicago, it's a, a an opportunity that they shouldn't have. And that's okay. I get that. Um, but they do have that pedigree. They they do have Taves and Kane and Duncan Keith and Corey Crawford and that, and those guys have won it before and they're getting an opportunity that they might not have moving forward. You never know. Um, and certainly one that they probably didn't think that they were going to get this year. So I, I think there's motivation on their end to say that we still got it and they do have mm-hmm. some good young players. Um, but the Oilers have McDavid and Dreisaitl, the two best players in the league. So it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, so am I. And game one, so big in a best of five. I've seen some of the, the stats people tweeting out that basically it's... Uh, I, I mean, I can't believe those stats. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I was a part of that in the, in the 80s when they had those best of five series. And boy, I was shocked at the numbers of the teams that won the first game and how the percentage points wore out that um, that they won the series. That's incredible. Tell me about, before we dive deeper into the Hawks, tell me about your setup as a broadcaster for this one, Troy. Well, I've never done it off a monitor before. Um, neither is my partner, the play-by-play guy for uh, uh, Blackhawks Hockey on Radio, John Whiteman. So um, WGN Radio here in Chicago gave us a great setup. We've got... Uh, a live satellite feed that actually we're, we're drawing off uh, WGN TV. So we've got um, a great feed in that. We've got the the local network tomorrow. It'll be uh, the the NBC feed because our local guys aren't going to be doing it. Um, and then we've got another TV that's got uh, some different looks as, as well. So as good as we could get it in, in Chicago, I found there were some things for a play by or a, a 
color analyst that I couldn't see uh, during the game because I didn't get the perspective that you would get uh, in arena and live. Uh, but I thought it was okay, and I, I thought the broadcast went well, and John called it uh, extremely well. He had a good look at all the numbers and names from the TV cameras. So it is what it is. Everybody's going to be, you know, the players are uh, on the same playing field dealing with unknowns that they've never de- dealt with before, and so are the broadcasters. To the people, a couple of people texting in, yes, I know Troy is from St. Albert. I'm sorry I didn't mention it at the start of the interview. <laughs> I neglected the local shout out. I'm sorry, everybody, especially St. Albert. I, I do know Troy's from there. Uh, prolific career with the St. Albert Saints before going to uh, North Dakota in the National Hockey League. There, now your hometown's happy, Troy. I made amends. Good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, twelve thousand people who were there when I when I when I moved to St. Albert. <laughs> That's right. Okay, let, let me start with uh, with with another local guy, uh, Kirby Dock of the Blackhawks. I mean, there's some speculation maybe he might get some head-to-head time against Drysaddle. Regardless of that, tell us about his journey this season. For, you know, Kirby Doc, first of all, he's a, he's a big kid. He's a great kid. Um, and obviously the Blackhawks were very fortunate to move up in the draft a year ago and, and get Kirby at, uh, at number three. Um, he's going to be a great player. I mean, he's got a big body and he's starting to fill into it. He's still only 19 years of age, so uh, that's pretty young. But if you look at Kirby Doc coming into training camp last year and Kirby Doc coming into this series right now, uh, tomorrow, completely different player and if you look at it really because there's been four months in between the the end of the regular season the postponement of the regular season to where we are now basically that was his rookie campaign he's coming in and this is his second year he worked out hard he's in great shape he seems stronger more confident um, and he does have that size and you know when you're going up against a guy like Dreisaitl um, he's got some size, and Kirby can match him in that way. I, I think that you, know, you hear Duncan Keith and you hear Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane talk about Kirby Dock and, and the potential that he has, and I think they're really excited about about Kirby and where he could be a few years from now. Um, and this is going to be a big, big opportunity for him to see what he's got against some of the best in the world. Tell me a little bit about uh, about Kubalik, the uh, the young young sensation. I, I I saw the lineups the other night. He was on uh, Doc's wing. I don't know if they're going to keep rolling with that tomorrow. But how come he's been able to score so many goals as a rookie? You know, when he comes in and, and he's not a, an 18, 19 year old rookie. You know, like a, a Kirby Doc. He's a, an experienced guy that had a lot of. Uh, um, playing time over in Europe. He's 24 years of age. Um, so again, not that typical young guy. He's a little bit more mature. And, and I think it just took him a while, um, you know, to get to the point where he, um, he is right now. And he's a great player. He's got really good size, 6'2", 195 pounds, somewhere in that area. The willingness to go to the front of the net was very apparent this season. Um, and he scored a lot of dirty goals uh, in and around the, the, the crease area, which is a lot of what's going to happen in the postseason. He's, he's a natural shooter. Um, he has that gift of finding that open area. And there's no way in the world that the Blackhawks, Stan Bowman, the general manager, or Jeremy Collett, at the beginning of the season said, okay, we're going to pencil Dominic Kubelik in for 30 goals this season. <laughs> that right. wasn't the case. But he played great. He was consistent all season long. And, and I think that he was very determined to show that he belonged in the NHL. And, and certainly now, you know, after a 30-goal rookie campaign, 
you know, he's put himself in a pretty good spot here moving forward. They actually, in that game against St. Louis, the exhibition game, flip-flopped Alex DeBrinkett, who had been playing with Taves and Brandon Saad throughout training camp, um, and moved him down to play with Kirby Dock and, and Drake Kajula, who you guys know in Edmonton. Um, and Kubelik moved to play up with Taves. Well, he got a couple power play goals and an assist, three-point night for him playing with Taves and Saad. So we'll see what J- Jeremy does. He can always ch- uh, change on the fly, but we'll see where he starts tomorrow. I was talking with our listeners in the first half hour of the show about who could be that Fernando Pisani type player for the Oilers this year. You know, Fernando, obviously a, a really good player, but just went off in 06. Seemed like every time he took a shot, it went in or was exactly the goal the Oilers needed at the time. Who, who Who's a player or two that you look to for the Blackhawks and you might say, you know, he's got that potential and they're going to need that additional scoring from this guy if they're going to get by the Oilers and keep going? Well, you know, that's a good question. I could kind of pick out a couple guys. Alex DeBrinkett um, didn't have a great regular season. He only had 18 goals. He just, you know, when you saw the expectations and where he was scoring, um, at what level he was scoring his first two years in the NHL, you just thought that it was going to happen again. Um, He only had 18, so he's going to have to be a player that steps up. But I think for a guy like, um, if you want to compare him to uh, Fernando, I think Brandon Saad is the guy. He quietly goes under the radar. He's going to play on Jonathan's stage line. Um, he's going to get power play time on the second unit. He's going to kill penalties. He's going to be involved in, in every side of the equation. So I, I think for Brandon Saad, who you know, had a solid season, 21 goals, um, he, he can be a really big factor because everybody's talking about all these other players and people are forgetting about Brandon Saad and how, he, how good he was when the Blackhawks won the cup back in 15. Troy Murray joining us tonight on Inside Sports, broadcaster for the Blackhawks on WGN. And yes, he's from St. Albert. Did you not make your NHL debut in the postseason, Troy? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think your 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 stats seem to indicate that you did in the in the nineteen eighty two playoffs. You know, how bad is this? I, I did. I came out of the University of North Dakota after we won the NCAA's, and then I came right to Chicago. Now, if you look on some, this is bad, because you look on some websites, I didn't play a regular season game. If you look on other websites, I played one. Okay. And for the life of me, I can't remember. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's a, the, well, the one I'm looking at says you did not, that you debuted in the playoffs. Right. I this think is, I played this seven is great. In the playoffs that year, I think it was. But I, I think yeah. I played, I think I played one game, um, in the regular season. <laughs> okay. Somewhat, like the one you're looking at obviously <laughs> says I didn't. And, um, <laughs> anyway. I should, I, I should find that out. <laughs> anyway, let, let me, I mean, still, the, the bulk of I your early NHL well. experience was, was jumping straight into playoff games, which must have been something. <laughs> well, that, that year, I mean, if you recall, that was the year of uh, King Richard uh, with the Vancouver Canucks, and they lost in the final to uh, the New York Islanders. But uh, we had a really good team in Chicago that year, and we played, we went all the way up to the uh, conference finals. Uh, against Vancouver, and they were on such a roll. Roger Nielsen was there. I, you know, old fans would remember the towel waving and uh, where that came from, um, surrendering in, in Chicago at the old Chicago Stadium. But, you know, as a 19-year-old kid, I, I came out of North Dakota, and all of a sudden, man, you're, you're in the playoff hockey. And, and this is back in the day where, you know, fighting was a big part of the playoffs, the intimidation factor. And 
I was a 19-year-old kid, and I'm just like, wow, you know, I'm looking at some of these guys. You got Tiger Williams over on the other side. I'm going, I'm not sure I belong here. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, you were smart enough to to stay away from him. I'm I'm sure. Hey, uh, before almost, we let, I almost, I almost, I almost killed myself. Though I probably would not have played another game in the NHL. This is a true story. I'll make it quick. Reed, I'm playing against the Vancouver Canucks, and Kurt Fraser, who everybody knows back in those days, was as tough as as they came. I was in and out of the lineup, and I'm in the lineup, and I says, you know what, I got to do something just to kind of get noticed. So I line up, and I was playing right wing. I wasn't even playing center. I was playing right wing. Kurt was playing left wing. And right off the faceoff, I slashed him right in the shin pads. And he he turned around and slashed me. And you know, like when you slash somebody, there's usually a bounce of the stick. There was no bounce. Like he just hit my leg, and it felt like it went right through me. And I'm just like, oh, okay, well, all right, we're going to go here. The puck dropped, and he went the other way, and and I kind of took one step toward him, and then I just forgot about it. I had no idea how tough Kurt Fraser was. I would have been killed (laughs) in that game and maybe never played in the NHL again. Wow, you never told me that before. Well, glad you made it. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you had a you had a great career. Uh, I mean, ninety nine points in eighty five, eighty six, and uh, you were pretty consistently. Well, you got up to forty five goals. Though, were you on a different line that year? Or did were you used differently, or did everything go in? I was playing with Kurt Fraser and Eddie Olchuk. Kurt Fraser got traded the next year. Um, from Vancouver to Chicago for Tony Tanti, who was a high first-round draft pick. But the Blackhawks knew that, that to get through the old Norris division, they needed somebody who was tough, like really tough. And they went out and got Kurt Fraser. And that kind of neutralized the, the Willie Pletts of the Minnesota North Stars and the, the guys that, who were intimidating um, the Blackhawks. And, and I loved playing with Kurt. He was my bodyguard. And I saw how tough he was firsthand. And I was playing with Eddie Oldchuk. We were called the Clydesdale line. Um, you know, and, and you go back into those days, the power play units – as you know, the Oilers with Dreisaitl and, and McDavid, 43, 41 points, whatever it is for those guys on the power play that year, those numbers are incredible. You take them out of the equation and, you know, they've got a lot of guys that are kind of equal to them. I didn't even get a lot of power play time because Dennis Savard was our number one center. So I didn't have a lot of power play points, but it was just one of those years that everything seemed to click. We loved playing together as a line. We're still very close. Um, Eddie is, is doing the TV for the Blackhawks, so he's remained a very good friend of mine for years. And, and again, it just was, Reed, one of those years that uh, everything clicked. It was a great year. We had so much fun. The bad thing was is I won the Selkie Trophy that year. And at that point, I was the highest player points-wise that ever won the Selkie Trophy. It was always Bob Gainey, you know, Guy Carboneau, those type of players that didn't really rack up big offensive numbers so it was kind of a change in in the guard um but then next year all they wanted me to do was be a shutdown centerman you know shut this guy down play against Gretzky shut him down play against you know that's so my role the next year because I won the Selkie trophy kind of changed to a defensive positioning uh against other teams top centers they wouldn't ask a 45 goal man to do that now I certainly hope not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you were <laughs> the, the agent would be calling quickly. Get yes. him out of there. <laughs> exactly. All right. Hey, I appreciate it, Troy. It's always great to have you on the show. I uh, hope things are uh, well for you in Chicago. I know you're adapting to doing stuff off the monitor. Take care, buddy. We'll talk to you down the road.
Ray, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, go Blackhawks, even though I still love the Oilers. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. All right. And uh, thanks to Dallas for texting back. He says, I was a season ticket holder in 1982. Los Angeles may have not won any cups, but that was because Montreal and the Islanders were so dominant in that era. I beg to differ with you about the similarities with the Hawks now. A few years earlier, the Kings with the triple crown line were quite feared. They had lost some shine by 82, but obviously still knew how to win. Uh, sorry, but I disagree with you. Uh, well, that's fair. I, I But again, my, my claim would be they, they'd never been past the the second round of the playoffs. So that's why I, I, I get, I get it that the Kings did have some really good players. Some, I mean, Marcel Dion was an incredible player. Uh, I, I just, I, I just don't see the, the pedigree of the two teams as the same, given what Chicago has accomplished in contrast to what that LA team has accomplished. Uh, interesting debate though. Thanks for writing back Dallas. 780-496-0063. We'll take a quick timeout. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Goaltender tomorrow. Who's it going to be, Tip? As far as a goaltender, Jim, you'll remember this. There's an old hockey movie called Slapshot where somebody walks up to Paul Newman and asks him how his power play is, and all he said is, we're working on it. That's my answer for the goaltenders. We're working on it. All right. He's working on it. He's not telling us. I know most of you want Koskinen, but I, I don't think anybody would uh, would feel shocked or uh, like it was over if Smith went in there. Both pretty good. Koskinen better in the last two scrimmages. Um, I, I guess you'd say slightly better on Tuesday since he didn't allow a goal and Smith allowed one, but Smith made some pretty big saves. So we'll see about that. Everybody did skate today at practice so the Oilers are looking healthy here going into their series against Chicago Darnell Nurse uh, with a comment here about uh, if lack of fans takes the energy or emotion out of it I'd say from I think Cass said it perfect like you get out there it doesn't really matter who's in the stands or what's going on Uh, you're in the heat of the moment you're in the heat of the game Uh, as long as there's someone wearing a different jersey on the other side that's all that really matters so um, the the emotion It'll be there, especially there's a lot on the line. I know it's different that there's no fans and there's no environment like that, but there's a Stanley Cup to be played for, and I think that's enough motivation that anyone needs in this league. Um, so, you know, with, with the momentum swings and whatnot, yeah, maybe you don't have the crowd and, and the loud roars in, in the background when someone has a good cycle down low, but you know it on the bench, you know as a team um, when you're coming on. All right, a little bit there from Darnell Nurse. We're going to take a timeout for the 7 o'clock news. We will update the Canadian Football League as they are still waiting about the possibility of uh, trying to have a season. And we have a special feature tonight recapping the Oilers' regular season. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.